May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. And be seated. I share with you from a recent article that a pastor wrote in Leadership Journal, which is a journal for people in ministry. In this article, the pastor discloses his battle with lust and sexual addiction. He is a, a husband, a pastor, church planner, father of, I think, four children. He had uh, two seminary degrees. He was a leader in his denomination, but he was addicted to pornography. Uh, listen to what he writes. No matter how hard I tried, no matter what I tried, no matter how much I prayed, I returned to my compulsive behaviors. My addiction and my faith went to war and my soul was the battlefield. I knew my private life was incompatible with what I believed and what I represented. My situation was intolerable, but I could find no way to change. Now, this is a pastor who has two seminary degrees and is a leader in the church. And yet he articulates the kind of struggle that so many of us as Christians find ourselves in. Now, there are many Christians trapped in the exact same kind of sin as this pastor. Sexual addiction is an epidemic today. But all Christians should be able to relate to this idea that our soul is a battleground and that there's a tension between what we believe and what we do. Just this Lenten season, God, as I've spent time in prayer, has been convicting me of some really deep-seated sin patterns and habits of thinking in my own life. Things like anger, impatience, ingratitude. Pride, worry. I, I know these things are sinful, these attitudes are sinful, but yet they bubble up to the surface over and over again. How can we change? How can we move forward? And, and this kind of battle is exactly what the Apostle Paul describes in Romans 7 in a very famous chapter and in a very famous verse where he says in verse 19 of Romans 7, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil... I do not is what I keep on doing. Can you relate to that? And then Paul begins in Romans chapter 8. Great golden chapter of the book of Romans. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This great assurance that even though we are caught in this tension between what we do and what we don't want to do, and we do what we don't want to do, even though we're caught in this tension, if we are in Christ, we're not condemned. Because as we've been teaching over and over again in these sermons, we are saved, not based on what we do, but what Christ has done for us as we put our trust in his death and resurrection. But God does not save us from sin to leave us in sin. God saves us so that we can grow in Christ-like character. God sets us free if we believe in Jesus. He has set us free from the law of sin and death. This is what Paul teaches in Romans 
8. So how do we change? How do we move forward in holiness? How do we begin to gain some victory in this battle? Well, we're never going to obtain sinless perfection, but we can make progress in growing to be like Christ. How is that possible? The major point of our passage today for moments is this, that change, that transformation is possible as we partner with the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. As we yield to the work, the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life, Paul says that if you belong to Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And verse 9, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So he's writing to Christians, he's writing to people in Rome, Christians just like you and me, who have the Spirit of Christ. He wants them to realize that the, po- the power that is available to them. Partner with the Holy Spirit. We need to understand the dynamics of the battle. There's a battle between what Paul is calling the flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit. In order to really um, understand how we can obtain victory, we need to understand the dynamics of the battle. We need a proper diagnosis before we can get healthy. We need to understand what's happening inside of us. And there's a tension between what Paul calls the flesh and the Holy Spirit of God in us if we're Christians. The flesh, what is the flesh? The flesh is our sinful nature. The flesh is is our sinful impulses. Those who live according to the flesh, Paul says, set their minds on the things of the flesh, and if they live that way, they're living, as he goes on to say, hostile to God. Those who are bound to the flesh are living hostile to God. They cannot, they do not submit to God's law. Indeed, he says, they cannot. So non-believers live according to their sinful nature. This doesn't mean, by the way, that a non-believer can't be a good person or that they never keep some aspects of God's law, like the Ten Commandments that we quoted today. No, it's not saying that. But a non-believer is not compelled to please God in their life. That is not a motivating factor. That is not driving their life like it should be for a Christian who has the Spirit of Christ. Now, even though God gives us a new nature, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, as Christians, we still have to battle the flesh. We still have to battle what Paul says in other places, the, 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 the works of the flesh, the, the law of the flesh working inside of us. It's not just the devil and the world that we have to battle. We have to battle these sinful impulses in our own life. What does that battle look like in our everyday life? Here's a list from a writer, Nancy Lee DeMoss, in one of her books, Christian Writer. Uh, Just see if this sounds familiar. The battle. This is a snapshot of the battle. The spirit says, forgive. The flesh says, hold a grudge. The spirit says, give that money to someone in need. The flesh says, spend the money on yourself for your own entertainment, for your own desires. Here's a tough one. The spirit says be temperate. The flesh says eat whatever you want, whenever you want, as much as you want. The spirit says spend time in God's word and prayer. The flesh says you've had a long day. Why don't you just chill out and plop in front of the TV? Do it again some other day. 
The Spirit says, hold your tongue. What you're about to say is not kind, is not necessary. The flesh says, you need to tell that person how it really is and what you really think. The Spirit says, don't take another look. The flesh says, indulge and take a second, third look. Let your mind begin to wander and fantasize. That's what the battle looks like. I mean, that's just a small snippet of the battle. We could go on and on about it. I wonder if anybody recognizes some of this tension. I certainly do. And do we recognize it for what it is? As Christians, we can't just excuse ourselves and say, well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way my temperament is. Uh, I'm not as bad as other people. That's the way I was raised. No, there is a battle that we have to fight that's inside us. We should be different from the world, engaging in this battle between the flesh and the spirit. The good news is that we have hope for change and transformation because when we become Christians, God gives us a new nature by his spirit. A Christian is somebody who, as Jesus said in John chapter 3, when he's talking to Nicodemus, is somebody who is what? Born again, born anew by the Spirit of God. So we have a new nature. We have something that is supernatural in us. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in verses 9 through 11 this. And what what he says to the Romans applies to all Christians. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life. The Spirit is life because of righteousness, fueling your life for righteousness. This is the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. This is how powerful the Holy Spirit is. We saw in our gospel reading that Jesus raised Lazarus. He performed this great, mighty miracle, the greatest of his miracles. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. What kind of power does that? Modern technology hasn't figured out how to do that. It's supernatural power from God. And this is a picture not only of the resurrection of our bodies, But it's what God does in our life now. He gives us new life, uh, a life free from domination by sin. A new life and a new heart that desires to please God. And so Paul's point when he teaches about this, when he hits on this topic of the struggle between flesh and spirit, it's always live according to the new nature that God has given you. Don't go back in the tomb. Live according to the new nature that God has worked in your life. I I heard recently about a violin collector that donated um, to a world-class violinist the most expensive violin in the world. Uh, It it was called the, uh, you're going to have to pardon my French here, Vitampe Garini, I think is the French. It it, it, it was a, a violin that was sold for $16 million just recently, over 273 years old, and he gave it to Anna Kiko Myers, a great violinist. That violin was under somebody's bed for five decades. Hadn't been played for five decades. This beautiful instrument, 
one of the most beautiful instruments ever created by a master, by a virtuoso, sitting there untapped, unplayed, until it was given to this masterful violinist. And when Myers received it, she said, you know, it's like receiving a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, but you've got to know what to do with it. <laughs> and she knows what to do with it. She knows how to play it. You know, we have been given something precious and powerful as Christians. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, and we can't let that spirit, we shouldn't let the spirit of Christ lay dormant in our lives. We have a powerful resource as we partner with the Holy Spirit. So we have to let the Holy Spirit take charge. That may be another way of saying this, is if you're a Christian, act natural. For you to act according to the flesh is not natural. And if you're acting that way, if you're living that way, if you're walking that way, you're not going to be happy because you're going to be like this pastor I mentioned at the beginning who has felt this inner tension, this inner conflict. Act natural. Let the Holy Spirit take charge. J.I. Packer in one of his books teaches this. He gives a humorous example that I can, I can totally relate to this. He says that once when he was in college, uh, a college Bible fellowship, the leader of the group tried to persuade them to express themselves through religious dance. The instructor said, now, I just want you to move your limbs naturally and naturally respond to the music. Now, for some people, they respond to, to music and dance. But, but Packer says, uh, I just sat there like a glum dummy watching my fellow students shimmy from the waist up and flap their hands and get up and, and hop around. Nothing occurred for me to do. It wasn't that I was showing contempt from the instruction, but I wasn't being natural because I cannot dance. Music has never suggested to me that I do anything except stop and listen to it. It wasn't for him to be natural. Their dancing was not a natural thing for him to do. If you've seen me try to dance, you know why I can relate to this. If you've seen me at a wedding, my wife likes to drag me out and try to make me dance, and it feels so unnatural. <laughs> That's why I think the point is for, <laughs> for her to get... A kick out of it. But the point is this. Being natural, being natural is not a matter of doing what is expected of you or what others are doing. It's a matter of what your inner nature prompts you to do. If you're a Christian, you have a desire to know God and to please Him and to love Him and to serve others. Don't worry what others are doing. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't worry about what the world says is expected or what the values of the world that are being taught that we are inundated with over and over again through the media. We live according to a different value system and the Spirit of Christ dwells in us. And so we need to act natural and we need to make a space in our lives for the Holy Spirit to work. We need to engage in practices that will open our life to the influence of the Holy Spirit. Last week, Father Richard talked about prayer, how important prayer is to our life. I love this quote about prayer from St. Augustine. I just came across this. True whole prayer is nothing but love. True whole prayer is nothing but love. I need to know the love of God more. I need to grow in the love of God more. I need to love others, so I need to grow in prayer. Another spiritual practice in which we can engage God, in which we give space for the Holy Spirit to work in our life, is serving others. Serving others at home and in, 
in the workplace and in our neighborhood. This can form us spiritually because we're giving ourselves away to others. We're giving ourselves away sacrificially, especially when we don't expect anything in return. What that means is we're dying a little bit to ourselves, which is exactly what needs to happen in our life to progress to be more like Jesus Christ. Dying to self so that the Holy Spirit can find room in our life to fill us with the Spirit of Christ. Here's another way from our text, another way to partner with the Holy Spirit. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Did you catch that? To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the things of the Spirit is what? Life and peace. We need more peace in our life. And Paul is saying if you set your mind, if you meditate on the things of God, you will find your life being filled with more of God's life and peace. When we set our our minds on the Spirit through the Word and through regular worship, partaking the sacraments, coming together, encouraging one another, we're partnering with the Holy Spirit. Let me share with you another way to partner with the Holy Spirit in the battle for holiness. And this, I think, is really relevant to someone who, like the pastor I mentioned at the beginning of my sermon, may be battling hidden sin that is trapping them. God wants you to walk in freedom. God wants you to walk in wholeness, in holiness. Listen to this. The pastor began to walk in freedom over his sin and addiction when his hidden sin was brought into the light. The hidden sin has to come out into the light. What happened in his case was he was arrested in a public space for lewd behavior. But then he had to go and tell his wife what had happened. He had to obviously tell his elders what happened. He had to get into counseling. He had to get in therapy to understand why am I acting this way? What are the triggers that are happening? He joined accountability groups. He said, I began to tear down the walls that I had built up to hide from pain and guilt in my life. And through that process, now listen, I've seen people who've been arrested and they've been assigned by the legal system to go into accountability groups and it hasn't worked out because they weren't really, to, really willing to work and humble themselves through the process. Here is a man who was broken by his sin. And, and through that process, the Spirit began to work. Through confession and repentance and accountability, God began to heal him and make him whole. That's a key to partnering with the Holy Spirit, bringing these things out into the light. Oftentimes, confessing our sins to one another. James says, confess your sins to one another that you may be Heal, James 5.16. It's the kind of place that I think our church is and, and, and I want it to continue to be a safe place where people who come into this fellowship can, can share their struggles and, and their difficulties and say, I need, I need some accountability here in my life. I'm struggling with these kinds of sin. I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, or lust in my life. Will, will you walk with me? Will you help me to grow in freedom? Will you pray with me? That's part of what it means to partner with the Holy Spirit. Holiness and freedom are possible through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the bottom line. And all of us are in this battle, this tension between the flesh and the Spirit. Let me ask you, how are you partnering with the Holy Spirit in your life to make you more like Jesus Christ? He's graciously provided the Holy Spirit, this great power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead to help us in the battle. Avail yourself of the power of the Spirit of God. 
Don't give up. Don't live below your dignity. Walk according to the new nature that God has given you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, help us to walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh, to find the wholeness that you desire for our lives, to grow in Christ-like attitudes and thoughts. I pray for those who may be here who are struggling with hidden sin, that they would hear this message of freedom and hope and that you would work in their life, and that they would partner with your spirit to find the wholeness and the healing that they desperately need. I pray for those who may be hearing a message like this, and it just it doesn't quite resonate because uh, they, they have walked according to the flesh, and maybe they've never really given their life over to Christ. And I pray that you will increase a hunger in their hearts for you to live according to the true life, eternal life that is only found in you. And for all of us, encourage us as we struggle to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, to live for the one who gave his life for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.